0: Chris Elmore and Stefan Thompson are out for the season. That is the bad news that came out of week one. It's, it's bad. I don't know if it's catastrophic. We'll talk about it on Locked On Syracuse. It's right now.
1: Locked On Syracuse,
0: your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on Tuesday morning. Thanks for making Locked On, I almost said Locked On Tuesday. Thanks for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. Syracuse took down Louisville 31-7 this past weekend. The bad news uh, among the bad news was penalties, drops, and of course injuries. A lot of guys went down in this game. Some got up, some didn't. We saw Elmore get hurt on the first drive. We saw Stephon Thompson get hurt later on. Marlo Wax was down at one point. Sean Tucker was even down at one point. And part of this season, the hype coming into this offense was that Sean Tucker has his lead blocker back because Elmore was out all of last year with an injury. So having Elmore back was a huge deal. And And I won't lie – seeing him on the field was incredibly exciting for me. I was pumped uh, on that first drive. A lot of the plays they ran were out of formations that included a fullback because I think that the entire first drive Elmore was included and he got hurt on a play where he was just blocking a guy into oblivion 20 yards away from the play because that's the kind of player he is leg or ankle or whatever it was just snapped. Uh, he's out for the season. Stefan Thompson. I assume that's ACL. He's out for the season. You lose him in the linebacking core. None of this is good. Um, but I think that Syracuse has enough depth to where it won't be too, too bad. I'm not that worried about the team's overall success, while I am gonna miss those two guys a ton.
1: Yeah, I think you you capture that right there. The in terms of how much you'll you'll miss seeing these two guys play. And you know, you think. Specifically, to a guy like Chris Elmore, who has been here for six years and has become just such a a focal part of this team, you know, a fan favorite, has done everything he has been asked since he got to Syracuse, you know, changing positions, changing positions again, changing back to the original position. He has done literally everything you could ask someone to do. Uh, You look at him definitely as a leader and a guy to look up to if you're one of the younger players. Uh, And to see him go down, you know, in game one relatively early and, you know, doing, as you were saying, just off to the side, like not even directly involved in the play and just having it be something like that. Uh, It's it's incredibly sad, especially when you don't know what will happen eligibility wise. Can they, you know, finagle away to get him back for year seven? Does he want to try to come back for year seven? Uh, what does this I work out to I think he will. The neighbors said they're both going to come back. He said they both would. Uh, I know i would be shocked. Positive I would be shocked if Elmore didn't come back. I Bailey was, I think he was questioning how, um, you know, when you look at, you used to be able to get six years if you had two medical red shirts, but now how does that work with the COVID year hey, and last no year? Way. Is that technically a medical I couldn't red shirt see the, now? The, I and,
0: remember, what did Antoine Cordy do? He did six years before covid happened uh Two I, i'd be shocked shirts. there's no way that the ncaa just stiff arms chris elmore from coming back because he got hurt it's not his fault
1: i think um, the concern is last year um and whether or not that is a medical red shirt because of when he got hurt he but got hurt like I, three games in yeah isn't it a quarter of the season i forget yeah Maybe uh, that's something we will have to look into. Uh, Dino said both will come back, or they're hoping both will come back next year. Uh, so that is a good sign, and we'll let him and other decision makers deal with the logistics of that. Uh, but it's still, you know, it it really does sting to to see these guys go down and and not have to deal with that because they're are two guys that you know you want to see have have that big year, right? When you when you look at these two players and and you see that you know, they're they're just grinding, right? Stefan Thompson starts every game last year, supposed to have a really good season on, you know, a really well-talked-about linebacking core that's made, you know, preseason watch lists as the top linebacking cores in the ACC and even a little bit further than that. Uh, and to have him go down in week one, uh, and the same with Elmore, it, and have them both be season-ending injuries, uh, barring something crazy. Uh, definitely something that you know you hate to see, and you're going to have to deal with mentally. But as you were saying, I think these are very much recoverable uh, and not catastrophic uh, in the long term when yeah, you look like, at some depth. Yeah.
0: Don't get me wrong; I actually do really think it's going to hurt. Um, yeah. I just think they have the depth because you know, I mean. I won't say Elmore is irreplaceable, but, like, he's he's near irreplaceable in terms of what he does as a leader uh, and as a blocker. The only guy that could possibly replace him uh, in whatever role he, he's in, is such a unicorn kind of thing. I mean, he's been listed at fullback, defensive line, tight end, offensive line, running back. Like, he's done everything. The only guy I could see doing it is Max Mang, and I think that's the only guy everybody sees doing it because he's the only dude who's also, like, that big, or even half that big, uh, because yeah. Elmore remember when he was listed at like 300 pounds in 2020? This year it was 265, I believe. But Mang 262, 6'7 could kind of do the job. Um, but on the other side, I mean, Thompson losing Thompson's brutal because in Babers, we just listened to the presser. Babers and the presser talked about how his numbers might not be as crazy as Mikel's or Marlowe's, they are still pretty darn good. But the reason being is that he oftentimes uh, is the guy who takes on two offensive linemen or an offensive lineman and a tight end. So one of the other guys can get into the backfield because he's so dangerous. They got to put two guys on him. Uh, Thompson, this was his third season. He'd already had a red shirt as well. He's technically a red shirt sophomore this year. Um, he's a fantastic player. I guess that wasn't a red shirt, maybe just a COVID year, but um, he was he. He's a really fantastic player, and they're going to miss him because he's a big dude. They'll replace him with Derek McDonald. And here I'll bring up the the depth chart that Syracuse has put out for the UConn week. No, uh, you have no fullback listed. Uh, they had a fullback here before, so that's not even here anymore. Max Mang behind or On Gadsden. Nothing's changed over there. But on the other side, Derek McDonald is now your number one linebacker at this spot. Big dude, 6'4", 225. We've talked about him. He transferred from tight end, and he had an interception last week, returned to 30 yards, so that was exciting. But, you know, this linebacker room, a lot of talent. We saw Anwar Sparrow make a nice couple of plays. Uh, I think these guys, they're also really big, like Rune and Lowry, both 6'3", 6'4", near 230. Like They're going to be fine. Um, but it does hurt. It definitely hurts.
1: Yeah, I, this is it's, – it's tough in game one of all things to see two guys go down like that. Uh, And, you know, a nod to Elmore's just what he does and his being the only one that really can do what he does as the fullback position just is wiped from the depth chart as a whole uh, when he goes out for season. So that's just, you know, it says what needs to be said about, you know, Chris Elmore's importance to this team That's not to say that you can't get away with not having a fullback because they can um, and they're going to have to. Uh, I I do think uh, it's going to be interesting how the role of Max Meng changes now because he was the guy that would just sort of come in and and block occasionally. He did have, I think, a target on the first drive uh, where Schrader overthrew him a little bit. Maybe it was in the corner of the end zone, I think. Uh, But He, you know, is he going to shift into, you know, really a pure blocking role where you're going to see him pop in a lot more and and try to make up for that blocking ability that Elmore had and that size in the backfield uh, that Elmore had. So I'm curious to see how that role shifts Uh, this week. You sort of have, you know, the flex game against UConn where you might be able to try a little bit more, but that's something that you're going to want to hone in on really quickly so that you can, you know, have that going uh, week three with Purdue.
0: Um, there it's kind of I don't want to say it's beneficial because obviously injuries aren't beneficial but it's better this came I think in week one than it did say in the middle of ACC play where you really you got to have things hammered out by that you know you're going into a week against UConn where Dino called it a difficult game but I really don't think it's going to be they came out as what 21-point favorites. 21-point favorites. Um, So they should win that game handily. And if you're going to want to try anything out in in new roles and whatnot, this is the game to do it. Um, So, yeah. Okay, let me take a quick break. Uh, We'll continue talking injuries and depth chart on the other side. This one's brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, They sponsor this episode. It's the easiest place to spice up college football this year. Uh, Emphasis on Easy. You got to get started because again, it's easy to play. You can win cold hard cash in a single game. And underdog has investment backing for Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and more. They have always been focused on building superior products for a fun user experience. And customer support team is top notch, the best in the business, you know, you want to be at underdog, okay. Sign up with the promo code locked on and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars and go to underdog or find the underdog fantasy app in the app store or Google play store. That's underdog fantasy back here on lockdown Syracuse. I'm Matt Bonaparte with Owen Valentine. We're talking SU football injuries have riddled the team. Uh, something else that I was thinking of last about last year uh, in that game. And like Tucker went down and obviously I think it was something um, that was fine. I don't think he, it was anything serious. He didn't say anything serious, Um, but you know, there was talk last year and the year prior about, is he being overused and are you driving him into the ground? Obviously, he is the number one running back on the team, and he's the number one option on offense, and he's probably the best player on the team, bar none. Um, Should there be some kind of limit for him? I don't think there ever will be, but you don't want to burn him out, you know.
1: I do know. I also, I mean, I look at, you know, the fourth quarter when you get up, say uh, what twenty four to yeah, they didn't take him out. That was brutal. Does he need to be in the game at that point? No, obviously, you know, you want him to get his fill. You want those numbers to be what they are. um, But you don't want to risk Sean going down or anyone going down really, uh, you know, in pursuit of, you know, hitting the century mark running uh, every single game, right. It's cool to be able to do that, uh, but it's not cool to try to do that. And then, you know, have him go down and miss a game or two or miss, you know, extended parts of the season as we see, you know, two guys in week one go down. Uh, So I I would be curious to see if they ever get into more of a load management, you know, next week uh, against a UConn. If you get a lead, sit in the second half. Uh, Really, like there's a couple of things. Especially when you have
0: a good running back behind him, like LaQuint Allen, I think showed, I mean, he didn't have a crazy game, but the plays he was in, I was not, you know, yeah, I I would take him over twenty twenty Jawar Jordan or Markenzie Pierre. Um, so why not? Yeah, I I, you know? I think
1: so, and that's that's something to keep an eye out um, as we move forward because you know he is getting the ball a ton, uh, and you know you take hits uh, consistently, and, and maybe you know he's a. a a big player right like he's he's gonna be fine for the majority of the time he can take a hit I'm not there's no knock on that but just when you get hit play after play after play and you keep getting handoff 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 now a little out route a little uh whatever quick route quick route uh it's it it can catch up to you so that is something to to be aware of uh as, as you move forward and I think When you look at at what you've seen in week one and and two guys go down and, you know, you really don't want to risk anyone else in a situation that doesn't have to be risked. So that's something to to definitely consider moving forward, because it was, I will say, I think we said this on the episode yesterday. I was in the bathroom when Sean went down and I had to text Bones and figure out, you know, who's down, who's down, what's going on. And he was like, Sean, I was like, oh, my. Rightfully so. Oh, my. Uh, and that's not a knock at LaQuint Allen. It's just an, oh my, when the best player on this team in terms of, you know, notabilities, number 15 or a top 15 player in ESPN's top 100 coming into the season, it's, it's not good. It is bad, right? You want to You don't want to put anyone, you know, in that risk unwarranted uh, and especially late in these fourth quarters. I get you know, you want to keep Schrader in. You're working some timing out line-wise. You're working some play stuff out. That makes some more sense to me, right? Odds of him going down are significantly less than a back that you're going to hand it off to and say run and body someone or put a shoulder down or anything of that nature. So something to definitely consider, not just with Sean, but with, you know, a number of guys moving forward uh, and just seeing how how the load management works and and how just, you know, getting the ball as frequently as he does If that is something that you need to be concerned about.
0: And, you know, we said this a little bit, but they definitely have their work cut out for them. Yeah. This, this week in practice, because not only do you lose Stefan Thompson and you kind of have to get Derek McDonald and even the backups ready and say, you know, guys, you're probably going to see more time than you would if Stefan was in and the backups are going to see more time because there's just less confidence in McDonald. I still think they like McDonald a lot. And honestly, I do. That's my guy. Um, But there's a lot there. But then on the offensive end, you're going to have to readjust your entire scheme. Like, like I said, they like that first drive when Elmore was there, I don't know if there was a single play without the fullback on the field. Like he was there every single time, play was sure, either yeah. the pistol, like whatever it was, he was in the backfield. So they're going to have to figure things out because I think he was a huge part of what they were going to do this year and, and whether or not they want to put Max Mang there and have him be on those plays where he's in motion, uh side to side, whatever it is, on the line, behind the guard, whatever they're going to do um but they they definitely have their work cut out for them and then on top of that there's the offensive line issues and there's the drops issue so practice yeah. this week is chock full um other question I want to ask you because we didn't really talk about this in yesterday's episode and I feel like we should have because it was kind of I mean I will I don't want to not give myself credit and say that I didn't expect them to win, but I don't think a lot of people expected them to win, and it was generally a surprise for the Syracuse community across the board. Um, Do you think they're a bowl team because of that win?
1: Uh, I would say I, I think the odds of them being a bowl team probably doubled or tripled in my mind after a week one win. I was not high on them making a bowl going into this season. But with that win, I would say if I was, you know, 25%, well, I guess if I just said a triple, then I think I'm 75%. But if I'm 25% on them making a bowl, I would say that week one win bumps them a little bit closer to 50-50 for me. Um, because I, I that's huge to have that win and then to have UConn uh, and to have, you know, in theory, two wins off the get Uh, And then be able to play a Purdue team that is good, but you can win that game. Uh, And then you, you know, you've got a couple of easy weeks ahead from there. I mean, Virginia also beatable. Wagner is, in theory, another gimme. So there's three. So if you can win one of Purdue and Virginia, which I don't think is an outrageous ask, uh, you have four wins. Going yeah. into the gauntlet, maybe you steal one from an NC State or a Pitt. Possibly, who knows? That's NC not State a gimme. By almost anybody. lost it's to ECU, yeah. correct? And uh, BC
0: and, did lose to Rutgers, so you have
1: like yeah. you have that so, to mean, look forward to. You have that, and I'm then you come out with Florida win, State, but... Wake Forest, and BC. Uh, I would I think, say I, I'm at 50-50 right now. I, I do. I think, think you're too low at is,
0: 50. Really, you're not putting enough faith in this team. I'll say it. This is a bowl-winning, this is a bowl-appearance-making team. This team All right. will go to a bowl game. I'm saying it. Uh, the they're that good. They're that talented. I mean, barring any injuries going forward, but I do think that it's going to happen. I think you start out at least 3-2, and two, like you said, but I have, like, that Louisville game, and, you know, we don't know how good Louisville is. They might go 2-10 and 10 this year like they did in 2018. This win not, yeah. might not mean as much as it we think it does. But I have faith... Uh, in Syracuse going into that Purdue game. I've got Faith going into that Virginia game. That middle gauntlet from NC State to Pittsburgh that has Clemson and Notre Dame in the middle, that's going to be tough. And I'm really, really curious to see how they handle that and and what goes on there and if they even have a chance against the better teams of those four. But then on the back half, yes, three out of four games are away against Pitt, uh, Florida, Wake, and BC. I still think... You have a good chance, especially Sam Hartman's not playing. I wish he was um, non-football related uh, injury or, or I don't I don't remember the exact uh, vernacular they used for that, um, but I, I get I have faith in a Syracuse team that that doesn't that plays against the Sam Hartless our Sam Hartmanless Wake Forest team.
1: I I there are there is a way to six wins. On this schedule, I think there's a way to like eight wins being as difficult as it is and there might be a way to eight wins as you said. Uh what I'm saying is I probably went from you know this is a 5 and 7 team maybe this is a little bit less than a 5 and 7 team 4 and 8 uh 5 and 7 I think I was pretty dead set on 5 and 7. I I'm relatively confident that this is six and six. I, I will stay at 50-50. I know you're higher than me right now on that. Uh, and and maybe I come up to speed with you when I see them play against a Purdue uh, or I see them play against Virginia in uh, the coming weeks. Right now I'm at 50-50. And I, I think that's a, a flexible 50-50 in that there is there's room for that to bounce up still. Um, but as of now, I'm going to stick to 50-50. I don't think you need to uh, to jump the gun just yet, but I think that there is a ton of confidence that can be gained from that first win uh, because of the position that it puts you in moving forward. 0-1 versus – or 1-0 versus 0-1 is gigantic uh, in yeah. terms of getting to six wins and in terms of managing you know, the middle chunk of this schedule as we've talked about on this show, as other talk shows have talked about consistently throughout this preseason. One and O going into UConn, which should bring you to two and O going into Purdue and Virginia. That if you can just split that series, three and one, and then a Wagner to get to four and one, uh, going into that you know that NC State Clemson. Yeah, Notre you really game need Pitt.
0: to get. You just got to get one of those Purdue Virginia games. If you can you be four and
1: one going into, and that we're stretch, also
0: we're also really banking big. on them going winless. In that four game stretch. And we don't, I mean, you can't say that for a fact. Like, they might win a game there. And we also they, don't know. They can win ranked games. They've won ranked
1: games. Yeah. They've won ranked games. Not can saying do it.
0: like it probably right now on paper. Yeah. It, it It's likely that they lose all four of those games. But we don't know what NC State's going to look like by then. They almost lost no. to ECU game one. Man. My we thought don't know though. What they're going
1: to look like. Yeah. My thought is though, four and one is recoverable if you go 0 and four in that stretch if you go four and one and then you drop to four and five uh two and one in florida state wake forest boston college is doable to get to a six and six in a bowl game uh Absolutely. if you're four and one it's and you, at that point yeah if you snag a game against an nc state or a pit uh Then you're at 5-4, and which I think puts you in more than the driver's seat to getting to a bowl game and and getting to 6-6, and if not better. So there there really is a a route and more than one route for for them to get to that threshold. Uh, I wanted to ask you this uh, while we were still talking about the depth chart a little bit uh, because I forgot to ask you before we jumped on, so I'll put you on the spot uh, with this a little bit. Steve Linton still not on the depth chart.
0: Oh does yeah, that, I was going to mention that. Does
1: that say anything to you? Like, does that?
0: Get I you don't well, know. Or is it just I, like honestly? It I'm starting to think.
1: Snaps. I'm starting to
0: think it's because they don't want to write him down as a position. You know, like he. I feel like they. Um, they've called him a defensive end in the past, but he's really not. Like, if you see him, he looks a lot more like a linebacker. Yeah. But he's got the skills to play defensive edge, but you're not really going to put his hand in the dirt. Um, I honestly think it's he, he's going to play you just don't know like he'll get in there and he played really really well uh without having been on the depth chart week one um so i'm honestly thinking at this point it's just because they don't want to label him one thing or the other um and maybe he's not a starter like jatia's gear was good like he put pressure on plenty of times and i was happy with what he did and i'd rather uh steve come in in certain packages where they want to throw one extra rusher down there kind of thing yeah i don't think that
1: I don't think it indicates anything in in terms of the snaps that he is getting or not getting. I just, you know, you you like to see a guy listed, right? You know, yeah. See what he's I, I was that,
0: that was one of the first things I looked to as well because you want to see him get rewarded. But like, yeah. my other thing was I just don't I don't know. Like he could play incredibly well. I don't know if they'd put him anywhere, like because yeah. it's just like he's playing so well with where he is right now. But I could be totally wrong. And like next week, if he has the same game, they could they could put him at defensive edge one. But I don't know. I guess we'll see.
1: That is a good thought. Uh, We also, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Love it. uh, Just because this happened while we were recording. Taj Harris is stepping away from Rutgers football for personal reasons.
0: Yeah. Saw that. I I hope the best of Taj, man. Yeah, that stinks. It does stink. I was watching the Rutgers game um, Saturday before the Syracuse game looking for him, and I didn't. Um, So I hope everything's all good with him. I hope we see him on the field again. If not... Um, it was a pleasure to watch him.
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I put you on the spot. We're ending on a sad note. Uh (laughs) when we were we were uplifting uh up until that moment.
0: Get uplifted, people. Have a wonderful Tuesday. Uh Owen and I will be back Wednesday. We will start to preview Yukon maybe Thursday, uh, and we'll give you some thoughts on Friday ahead of the game, which is Saturday, 7 p.m. Wrenchler Field in Connecticut. I might be there. Uh, we will see. Um, but before we leave, let me tell you about the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. That Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 is out, okay? An eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. Local team experts uh, of Locked On Podcast Network Plus. You got Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets in there. He's combining this into a one singular Preview of the ultimate NFL preview. That's two previews in one word. I just said search for ultimate pro football preview 2022 in your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Matt Bonaparte, he's on Valentine. We'll see you later.